This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. It has been said that until a person has, in some sense, seen God, that person begins at no beginning and works to no end. But for a person simply to have knowledge about God is no substitute for an intimate personal relationship with God. Earlier in our service today, we read from Isaiah chapter 6 and his prophecy. That part's been called a page from Isaiah's spiritual autobiography. In this brief section that I read earlier, Isaiah lets us have an inside look on an experience that shaped his entire life. And I trust that as you and I together stand on the sidelines now, and we see this morning another person's sacred experience, that we too may come to know how it is for us to have a personal encounter with God. The occasion of this soul-shaking, life-changing experience was the death year of King Uzziah. Now, this is more than just an indication of a date. It speaks of deeper significance. It certainly was for Isaiah and anyhow. Death is always impressive, especially to a young man in his late teens or early 20s, as Isaiah most likely was at this time. But death becomes greatly impressive when it strikes a well-beloved person. Uzziah had been a strong king. He had reigned a long time, ruling wisely and well. He had meant much to the people. Even though the disease of leprosy had given some warning of his impending death, yet his death was still a shock to his people. It was somewhat similar to the shock of disbelief that engulfed engulfed our country many years ago when we all first heard of the death of President John F. Kennedy. Those of us who are older may remember exactly where we were, what we were doing when we heard that news. Isaiah was probably at the hero-worshiping age, and now his hero was dead. We do not know all that Isaiah did, but we do know that his grief led him to the place of worship, the temple. Perhaps he thought, What will happen to us now? The Assyrian army was already advancing on Judah at this time. While Isaiah was there in the temple, something strange began to happen. Things he normally saw in the temple began to change. Instead of seeing the Ark of the Covenant, Isaiah saw God himself. Instead of seeing the usual cherubim, Isaiah now saw the seraphim. Instead of the normal chanting of priests, Isaiah heard the singing of the heavenly host. In short, Isaiah saw things in the night of sadness, which he had never seen in the light of gladness. For some activities, light is essential, but other things are seen more clearly in the darkness. Those who study astronomy don't care for a lot of bright streetlights all around. Somebody said when the night is the darkest, that's when you can see the stars. And so it was with Isaiah. Out of the darkness of gloom, 
light came. As Isaiah said it, I saw the Lord. As we look now at this marvelous experience of Isaiah, several elements stand out in bold relief. First, Isaiah had a deep awareness of God. I saw the Lord, he said. He does not attempt to describe the being of God. He does describe the throne, the robe, the heavenly attendants, but he does not try at all to give any description of God. There were certain truths, however, which were indelibly impressed on the mind and the heart of Isaiah. One of these truths was that God is sovereign. He is Lord. Isaiah saw God high and lifted up, towering above all else. Uzziah, the earthly king, was dead now, and there was a lonesome place against the sky. But above all the tragedy, the storm, the trouble, Isaiah saw God on his throne. In one of our hymns we sing, This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. Isaiah saw God as sovereign. He also saw God as majestic. Isaiah pictures for us the throne with the skirts of the robe of God filling the spacious hall. And above it are the seraphim, literally the burning ones. That's a plural word whose duty it was to be ministers or servants of God. And these vivid symbols to which we are so unaccustomed were given to express the idea of majesty. God is majestic. Another thing about God that Isaiah saw was that God is holy. The seraphim were singing, holy, holy, holy. The root idea behind this word of holy is not just some kind of pious thing. The root idea is separation, different from, apart from. God is God, not man. In his presence, nothing impure can remain. <clears throat> and this picture brings us to the second element in Isaiah's experience. That is a vivid consciousness of sin. Anytime there's a real vision of God, the natural result on man's part is a vivid consciousness of sin. A profound awareness of God always brings a painful awareness of sin in a person's life. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he sensed that the posts of the door were shaking beside him. The house was filled with smoke. This is to signify the reaction of man's sinfulness against God's holiness. It represents the coming together of two incompatibles, man's sin and God's righteousness. It was then that Isaiah cried out, Woe is me! Or in other words, I'm lost. Or to use a more common everyday expression, I've had it. I'm dead meat. He said, For I'm a man of unclean lips. Surely Isaiah was not here saying only that he may have said a bad word or two in the past. Someone has said that our sense of sin tends to focus rather sharply at the point where we sin characteristically. Well, Isaiah was now remembering things like empty ritualistic worship, broken covenant vows, rebellious mutterings, as well as profane words. 
which he and his people were admittedly guilty of. There's a much needed message for us today in this element. For modern America seems to be turning away from a vivid consciousness of sin. We are all inclined to treat sin so lightly these days. Some call it a slight twist in human character or an upward stumble in the progress of the race or the mere making of a mistake unknowingly or the shadow cast by man's immaturity. Such phrases try to excuse the seriousness of sin. But sin is in reality something dark and deep and terrible. It is revolt against God. It is a slap in God's face. Isaiah had a vivid consciousness of his sin when he saw the Lord. <clears throat> but there's a third element in this story. This is the tender assurance of God's forgiveness. We continue to read, Then flew one of the seraphim to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken from off the altar, and he touched my mouth. He said, Behold, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is forgiven. God's forgiveness is not dependent on some kind of church or temple ritual. The only conditions for forgiveness are true repentance, a broken and a contrite heart. No sooner had Isaiah said, Woe is me, until one of the seraphim, God's attendants, was there with the cleansing fire saying, Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is forgiven. <clears throat> this was a very painful experience for Isaiah, but it was a necessary one. It was an experience which brought assurance. This was God taking the initiative, an act of divine grace from start to finish. Someone has said that the one who would speak for God must know forgiveness, not as a cold theological doctrine, but as an experience. And then we see in Isaiah's vision, a glad surrender for service. After his sin had been taken away, after all the barriers had been broken down, then I heard the voice of the Lord, Isaiah said. Could it be that we do not hear the voice of the Lord more clearly, more often, because the former conditions have not been met? Maybe we have sin that's unconfessed in our own hearts. Isaiah heard God's voice saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here's a picture of God in a heavenly council calling for volunteers. The king is surrounded by his court. Possibly young Isaiah is surprised that nobody responds immediately. <clears throat> then he steps forward in glad surrender and he says, Attention here, or look at me. I'll go. Isaiah was able to hear God's call only when he was in tune with God's voice. You who are young people listening to me now, you will never be able to find God's will for your life until you're willing now to do His will with all your heart, the very next step He puts in front of you. Finally, we see in Isaiah's experience a quick assignment to a task. When Isaiah said, send me, God said, go. And the task to which Isaiah was sent was not an easy one by any stretch of the imagination. 
Isaiah's preaching would increase the spiritual blindness of the people. They would rebel more and more. And then would come judgment, certain and sure. But God said, don't let it break your faith or make you bitter. Beyond the storm of judgment, the sun will shine again. Trust me, Isaiah, be true to your task. And this experience which Isaiah had in the temple in Jerusalem, flames of fire were kindled in his soul, which burned unquenched through all the turmoil and trouble of the 40 or 50 years that followed. Now, the scene changes. We're not in a temple hundreds of years ago, like Isaiah is. We find ourselves in another century, another country, another place. Some things are different. Some things are the same. Our world, like Isaiah's, is in crisis, confusion, change. But the basic needs of man have not changed. These are moral, spiritual needs. And God is still issuing the same call. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? It is no easy task, but God still needs people like Isaiah to go for him. George Liddell says it very clearly in his poem, Give me a child of God. One child whose faith is master of his mind, I will bring and I will write 10,000 wrongs and bless the name of all mankind. Give me a child of God, one child whose tongue is touched with heaven's fire, and I will flame the darkest hearts with high resolve and clean desire. Give me a child of God, one child, one mighty prophet of the Lord, and I'll give you peace on earth bought with a prayer and not a sword. Give me a child of God, one child true to the vision that he sees, and I will build your broken shrines and bring the nation to their knees. Can you say with Isaiah, Lord, here am I. Send me, send me. God, we know that you have a place for each of us. Sometimes we confess we don't know what that place is. But we need to be obedient like Isaiah was. Maybe we need to have unconfessed sin brought before you and have that sin forgiven like Isaiah said. Whatever it is, Lord, help us to be ready so that we may say with Isaiah, Lord, here am I. Send me. Any way you can use me, I want to be of use to you, Lord. And then we know when you do tell us to go, we go not in our own strength, but we go in the power of Jesus Christ, in whose wonderful name we pray. Amen.